Everybody, I'm Peter, and I'm quietly the hero of the rebellion. Sabine doesn't remember his name. It's Mike. Hey, welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that explores the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode by episode deep dive into the Star Wars animated series, Star Wars Rebels. How the space are you, Pete? I am pretty space and good, but pretty space and tired. Yeah, you've been space and moving. I've been moving. This is the first pod from the new Battlestar Galactica. Nice. It's a bigger updated ship. Wow. More ready for battle. So That's beautiful. Yes. That's so beautiful. I love that. Yep. But I am going to soldier on in the face of adversity, just like Wedge Antilles and the Rebellion, no matter how tired I am. <laughs> sure. That's, I suppose that works. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, thanks for being here, Pete. I know you're real tired. Yeah, no you're worries. Com- you're committed to the force, and that's what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. So, do you want to yeah. jump into this one? Let's do it. But, uh, how about I mix up a quick space refresher and recap what happened in episode three of season three, The Antilles Extraction. Ooh. As the rebels begin to suffer heavy casualties and loss, they receive a tip from a new source of information under the ubiquitous code name Fulcrum. Not the Fulcrum we know, though. Mm. That several Imperial cadets at Sky Strike Academy are looking to defect. Sabine is selected to infiltrate the Academy to the frustration of Ezra. He quickly befriends a fellow cadet named Wedge Antilles. Meanwhile, Governor Price and Agent Callus arrive at the Academy to root out the defectors. Sabine then figures out pretty quickly that Wedge is one of them and assures him that she will get him and his two friends Hobby and Rake to the Rebellion. Sabine and Wedge enter into a dogfight training exercise where they plan to defect once the rebel transport with Ezra and Kanan inside arrive, only to find that their fighters have been sabotaged by Price. Sabine, Wedge, and Hobby are captured and Rake is killed in the sprung trap. And during the chaos, Ezra and Kanan are forced to retreat. Price attempts then to interrogate Sabine, but Sabine manages to knock her out and escape and free Wedge and Hobby. But then, in a moment that seems like the three escapees are trapped, Callus comes to the rescue, claiming that it's repayment for his debt to Gerizeb Aurelius. Mm-hmm. So that's what happens on this episode. But why don't we jump into the theme of the episode, Peter? Are you okay with that? Hell yeah. No cussing, please. Kids show. <laughs> Space, yeah. There it is. Theme for this episode is... Don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Several characters in this episode act in ways that are unexpected 
or employ tactics that seem questionable given their creeds, loyalties, and hierarchical standings. So let's explore that a little bit, shall we? When Scarus and his wingmen trounce the A-wing escorts, which I love A-wings, the Mm -hmm. crippled transport begs for their life by saying that they are unarmed and that the Empire has no right to fire on them, but the TIE interceptors refuse to spare their lives and display the ruthlessness of war. Or at least one take on how one must act in a time of war. But since the transport was already willingly escorted by declared enemies of the Empire in open war, I think it made it a pretty valid military move, just like when merchant ships in convoys from all sides were routinely sunk by their opponents in World War II, Mm -hmm. um, with no prior warnings or demands for surrender. So when you first look at this act, it seems pretty brutal, but when you contextualize it in war, in the time they're in, this Star War, um, it seems pretty reasonable of course it's harsh any death is but when you put it in that light i don't think (laughs) it is as horrendous an act as it's made to be mike's Um, pro war crimes i am pro war crime (laughs) Uh, oh boy um don't that is not true um (laughs) though we initially consider this act by the empire appalling right a little empathy and adoption of different perspectives or a certain point of view may help us to not judge the empire too harshly. Let's not forget that we have seen rebels ambushing the Imperials by pretending to be unarmed or civilians in disguise across the Star Wars universe all the time. So it makes perfect sense that the Imperials train for these scenarios. Doesn't a new hope open this exact way? Well, think about it. Mm. I feel like I'm taking the Empire's side here, but I'm just trying to display... <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. And I, honestly, I, I'm <laughs> not opposed to the Empire. Um, of course, you know, some of their larger actions, sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know. So let's not judge a book by its cover and call the Empire evil for actions that the rebels take just as lightly, or seemingly lightly. Who else should we not judge by their appearance? Well, Callus. Wedge, Hobby, the other pilot, Rake. (laughs) Other guy. Yeah, that guy. Dead guy. (laughs) These all seem to be Empire men through and through, based on exterior appearances, right? And actions. Mm -hmm. But they aren't, are they? Mm. So don't judge too quickly, for the truth is complicated and often lies deep beneath the surface. Mm. So that's this week's theme. Don't judge a book, Pete. But what if I want to know things about the book mm-hmm. without reading it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, then get the audiobook. Okay, perfect. Thanks. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm 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 needling you a little bit, but I, I get your point. Um, you know, and I think that's we'll see a lot of that tension flare up between Saw's faction of the rebels specifically and the Mon Mothma faction of the rebels later on in the series where they're trying to ask those questions about, you know, how far is too far and what lengths do we go through in war, which I think we need to keep asking. I don't know if the empire is still asking that question, which is where I would kind of draw the line. No, and I think it's a good point. Um, and, uh, we'll see people start to defect who aren't willing to do certain things, but other members of the empire who 
maybe aren't involved in the decision making process or yeah. low level pilots or soldier, you know, foot troops mm-hmm. who don't see the overhead view of what they're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's we've brought this up, but that's one of the reasons why we both love Lost Stars is, you know, you get to talk to the foot soldiers and the people who are just maintenance people on the Death Star, you know, or they were in a Star Destroyer and they watched the Death Star blow up and all their friends got killed by yeah. this pilot, yeah. Luke Skywalker. Um, you know, we there's even, I forgot the name of the character, but there's a character from Alderaan who's still loyal to the Empire um, because, you know, he, it's a lot more complicated for people who don't have kind of the big take over the universe aspirations and all they're doing is trying to live and do what's best for them and their family. You know, the empire kind of makes a lot of sense for some people. So I think that's, that's an interesting flavor to add in there. What I want to talk about though. Sure. My favorite thing about the episode is this is the debut canonically of TIE interceptors, which are my favorite TIE fighter Nice. They are cool. They're sleek. Yeah. they're a sleek looking ship. I'm trying to decide if it's maybe even my favorite ship in Star Wars. I wouldn't be offended by that. Because you, you by that yeah, though. you know, I like X wings, but I don't know. It's a tie between those two. But I really like them. I think it's just very cool design. Um, these Tie Fighters we see have a red marking on them, which yeah. denote that it's flown by an elite pilot. Mm, so this that. would be like the boss character in Battlefront. Um, this was a nod to legends. So they used to do this in the comics and books and things like that. And so this is the first time that they've brought it into the new canon. Cool. 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 Yeah. A little history about the TIE interceptors. They were created by the Sinar fleet systems, which is the company that makes all of the TIE fighters. And upon the realization that the TIE advanced X one, which is the ship we talked about last couple of seasons would be too costly to mass produce. So that's like the ship that, Vader was flying for a while and then the uh, Inquisitors were flying them for a little bit and they were badass and had warheads and stuff on them, but they would be a little too costly. So they had to cut a little bit of corners and that is how they introduced the TIE Interceptor. I liked this little note that said um, it's their fastest starship. It has a new type of engine, but it is not as fast as the RZ-1 A-Wing being 50 kilometers per hour slower wow and i'm american so (laughs) i don't know what that means but sounds slower 50 kilometers i mean (laughs) yeah yeah i get it yeah so the we i I mentioned that it's flown by an elite an elite pilot and you don't really this is a really cool shot i love when they do the cockpit shots and especially with the the bad guys because you see those black helmets in the cockpit it's very old school star wars um, so you don't see who it is flying it until later. It's 31 miles slower. Just did the math. Sorry. Oh, thanks. That is, that is in fact slower than the A-Wing. Thank you for confirming. Sorry. Um, but the pilot is named Volt Scaris, mm-hmm. who we see is the guy with the mustache later. Who's like kind of cranky. Yeah. I'm, I, w- I want to talk about him when you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. The only interesting thing that I found, um, was, that horned symbol on its on his helmet. Yeah. It originally appeared on models of the Scout Walkers in Empire Strikes Back, and then they put them on the Kenner toys. Mm. Um, but then it was removed for the Walkers in Return of the Jedi. 
Interesting. Yep. So a little Easter egg there. But yeah, you had Volt Skurris thoughts. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of chat about it. I was conflicted about him at first because mm-hmm. I didn't know that we needed another like a salient evil yeah. male imp- white male empire guy. Um, yeah. And I feel like it, well, he's not that different than Captain Mustache. Yeah. Like, in my head, I'm picturing the same guy. Just one of them flies time fighters. I'm sure he, he looks different, but yeah. Um, but the more I thought about it, I'm not, it, it doesn't bug me because he does just kind of blend into the background. Mm-hmm. Um, even if he didn't, even if he was a different species or, um, I don't know, someone else, it, I, I don't think it, mm-hmm. it would bug me. Um, but I guess it was just another villain to remember who maybe is unconsequential. Yeah. But I guess I like it because it feels nuanced, uh, enough and, adding these character complexities and kind of levels of characters um, is what makes us more than a kid show sometimes. And mm-hmm. it is a kid show, but um, totally I'm on board with it. Yeah. The thing that I like is they did a good job of establishing him as a badass in the beginning of the episode. And that's part yeah, where they're taking down that. the wings and stuff. So when he shows up at the Academy later on, it kind of ups the level of tension um, because, you know, if it was just regular, you know, if Sabine and Hobby and Wedge were, you know, flying off and trying to escape and just some like no name TIE fighter pilot was chasing him, I'd be like, oh, Sabine's got this. I don't care. But he, he had a little bit extra threat, which I appreciated. Yeah. I like yeah. that. You mentioned the new Fulcrum. Um, I don't remember watching it. I th- feel like I was actually surprised that the new Fulcrum was was uh callous spoiler alert yeah i mean it's obvious looking back at it but i feel pretty surprised by that when it came on air i don't remember if you remember your your feelings about it it i it's i don't remember um but you know in doing this rewatch it's i mean it seems so clear that it's him yeah because there's so much build up to it which I think they did a really nice job with because I don't think I was a hundred percent in the know when it happened, but also I was like, Oh, that makes sense. So they did a nice job getting you there without giving it away. Mm-hmm. It was more subtle probably in the mm-hmm. moment because you know, you could say like, all right, Callus at the end of this episode's helping them because he really does feel indebted to Zeb for saving his life. Like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and like, obviously he's, He's softening on the Empire stance, as we see in a couple of moments here. But, you know, that that could be natural for him. Just kind of questioning things. I was surprised, I think, at the degree he jumped in, I think, because I figured he was softening and kind of moving away from the Empire. But I didn't really expect him to just full on become a spy for the rebellion. And this is only six months after that yeah. season. So, I mean, it wasn't like a huge amount of time passed. I think you're right. I think. It is a really the fact that he is not defecting, but straight up spying for. Yeah. Is pretty huge. I mean, that's that's a lot different. Those are Mm -hmm. very different lines than just, I want to get out of this. Yeah, totally. Like, no, I want to actively, you know, oppose this. That is, that's a big jump. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Another cool ship. 
um, we see the rebel transport, like the kind of the classic ones that we first see in Empire Strikes Back that, um, I read this. I didn't know that the model makers for the original movies affectionately refer to it as big tuna ships. Okay. (laughs) So, and I didn't think that makes sense because it looks like a big old tuna. I don't see that, but I wasn't looking for that. Yeah. Let me check that out later. Um, and just another little Easter egg is the interior of the big tuna ship where they're all talking about big tuna stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's the same set as the star bus from season one. They just kind of like redecorated it. Huh? I think I like that. (laughs) Yeah. I think these ships look cool. Um, in a very silly way, though, <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like the, the, none of the none of the rebellions transports are like actually cool. Yeah, like a star destroyer looks so much cooler than any of the ships that the rebellion has that aren't the little fighters. Um, but like, it's so nostalgic and makes me just so happy to see them. It's one of those moments that it's so easy to get sucked in because mm-hmm. you know and love this already. Yeah. And before we get into the meat of kind of this Sabine Wedge stuff, one last thing to kind of set this up is that I thought it was pretty interesting, this note where Ezra is disappointed to not be selected for the mission. This is enough to act on. The mission is yours, Sabine. We've arranged to insert you into a squad of new cadets headed for Skystrike. AP5 will prepare fake credentials. Wait, wait, shouldn't I be the one to go in? I've done this before, remember? Yeah, and I really was an Imperial cadet once. For years, remember? Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess it kind of... Uh, it's because he's been maturing so quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't... Yeah, I'm conflicted. I'm yeah. conflicted about it because he was maturing. And then this happens and you're like, really, dude? I thought we were over <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think it makes sense it um, why he wasn't picked. But it, in um, Rebels Recon... They were talking about how in the six months since last season, Ezra has kind of become the de facto mission leader um, on the cell because Kanan's out of commission. So Kanan was kind of the head guy, whatever they had to do, like a badass mission. But, you know, he's not in a great state right now. So Ezra has taken on that role. Yeah. Which I think is pretty interesting. And so, you know, he's he's come to just expect like, okay, it's a mission. It's my mission. I'm the lead guy. So that's why he was disappointed. Um, and thematically, I think it's interesting because, you know, think about when he did do this when in that episode, Breaking Ranks, where he infiltrated a academy and the whole time um, Kanan is worrying about him. And he's like, I don't know, but like, uh, he's going to get in trouble, like being kind of like the worried dad. Yeah. And then that's flipped. So now Ezra is sitting there being like, oh my gosh, Sabine, what if something happens? Blah, 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 blah. And he's in that role that he used to chide Kanan for. And Kanan's just sitting there like having a beer and chilling. And he's like, it's fine. It'll be all right. Um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see the roles flipping and moving around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, hmm. It, <laughs> I'm I'm conflicted. I'm just conflicted about it. I'm I'm trying to think about Ezra's. He's like been promoted. He's like been made a manager, mm-hmm. which means he's out of the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no man, you're a manager. You have to lead people. Like you can't be on the front lines. Like you need to stay back here. It reminds me of uh, maybe because I'm rewatching Band of Brothers, but like when Captain Winters gets 
promoted and like <laughs> so badly like wants to be helping his foot soldiers and he's pulled back by his commander like you know no don't you know don't go in there and it seems like Ezra is having that same conflict of you know if if you're spinning it if we're if if I if I had to spin it in a way to make Ezra more empathetic I would say that he has a hard time letting go because he wants to be protecting his friends mm-hmm. and he wants to be down there with them. And he doesn't want to put anyone in harm's way to, yeah. but to be honest, that's not what I feel. I think he finds more <laughs> value in carrying the mission out rather than just planning it. Yeah, totally. And we, we also know that he still has a little bit of his a chip on his shoulder. He's not, he's not proving himself as much anymore, but he's got that chip on his shoulder a little bit. So this is probably a blow to his ego to be like, no, actually someone else is going to lead this mission. Cause it's in his head. I'm sure it preys on those insecurities that the holocron was preying on about. And Maul yeah. was preying on about just like, Oh, they don't trust you. And they don't think you're powerful or good enough to protect them. Yeah. Okay, I just thought it was yeah. an interesting touch. No, 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 it is. Mm-hmm. So the actual mission though, is to infiltrate mm-hmm. sky strike Academy, which is a top Academy for pilots in the empire. So that's why Price and Callus take the threat of defection so seriously. Yeah, because I, totally, I totally want to go to that school. Yeah, it's a cool, um, it's a cool design too. I really liked the, just the background of it. it is yeah, kind of like cool. evil Cloud City. Yeah, yeah. But that's the reason that it's like their top academy. That's why they're so concerned to personally kind of come and intervene when there's a threat of defection because you don't want, you know, if you're best crop of pilots are thinking about defecting, then that means that's more of a serious threat. Yeah. If like a sanitation worker leaves, <laughs> whatever, but yeah. <laughs> well, you don't want any defections inside yeah. because if this is your, your top school, I mean, you take this info out and, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're sharing tactics and strategies, no matter who it's with, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like I wonder how they know there's going to be a defection, but they don't know who. I like, who's the really, person who's giving him the information? That's like, yeah. And part of me is feeling like it's Rake because yeah. he questions them right away. Yeah, that's like, how do we know these rebels are cool? Like, I never believed his motivation based on what he said because mm-hmm. what he said when they were like, "We're going to defect. This is this is the rebels here." His initial reaction was like, "Was." He does not, I don't buy his motive. He seems like he just wants to get out. He doesn't <laughs> seem like he wants to join the rebellion. Yeah. So. I, but I, I like functionally he's that he's just like, okay, psst, three people are going to defect, but I'm not telling you their names. <laughs> you got to play a trouble. game with me. Yeah, that would be a little creepy. I, <laughs> I, guess, I guess you're right. I guess he would say, t- I guess if it was him, he would say two people are going to defect. Yeah. I guess he wouldn't out himself, so you're probably yeah. right. No, I just it might have been him, but it's just funny. Like they're like, okay, we need a we need some conflict, and so it's just they made up something, but whatever. Um, or you know, it's 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 very likely that this place is bugged. Yeah, that might be true. I mean, because I am one of the things I was frustrated about is when Callus helps them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so there's no security cameras in this hallway, <laughs> or or I'm assuming he turned them off. Yeah. Well, we also know the Empire is very bad at security. Basically, they just let people walk around with helmets on all day. So you don't know who's walking around your base. Yeah. No form of identification. Yeah. 
That's fair. Um, but Sabine is infiltrating Sky Strike Academy to pull out some young pilots, including one Wedge Antilles. Mm, here he is, everybody. This is Ty SS36 on patrol at point one four nine, awaiting wingman. Copy that, three six. This is Ty SS25. You can call me Wedge. What's your name, cadet? I'm Ria Tala. Don't break protocol. Call numbers only. Copy that, Command. Yep, so a little bit about Wedge. Um, he's the only rebel pilot to be seen in the attack of the Death Star in A New Hope, the defense of Hoth in Empire Strikes Back, and the attack on the second Death Star in Return of the Jedi. Mm. So he is widely considered one of the heroes of the Rebellion. And people think he is one of the best pilots. Yeah. Um, he's good. He's no Hera. (laughs) This debate has been going on and I just really, I feel like I really need to stress that. Yeah. He's good. He's no Hera. Well, I feel like there's not even a lot of canonical evidence that he's a good pilot. Just people are just like, he's a guy, so he's got to be good at it. Well, he, (laughs) he does blow up the second Death Star. That's true. Yeah. So I guess there's, that's what it's like. That's the hinge. Yeah, but doesn't he? I, I keep forgetting. It was it was him that just like pieced out in the first Death Star, right? He had to because he got hit. Yeah, and like get out of here. Yeah, that's not very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, no. Um, he grew up on Corellia and flew cargo ships before joining the Empire. We get the sense that he didn't really know what he was in for by joining the Empire and kind of got cold feet when he saw the horrors of their tactics Mm. and the ways the coldness of the empire. Yeah. And so that is kind of his motivation for leaving. Yeah. Um, there's some pretty interesting wedge stuff in aftermath. Um, it was released a year before this episode was aired and it alluded to wedge having a relationship with, fulcrum most people assumed he was talking about ahsoka and so people were kind of confused they were like wait he knew ahsoka i like it better that it's probably callus yeah so this shed some light on that he he knew callus as fulcrum which i thought was interesting that's way more interesting to me i would much yep. rather it be callus because i don't like ahsoka being in a relationship mm-hmm. just simply because she's I, I don't know she just seems like still very in tune with like Jedi. She just, (laughs) I don't know. She just seems like too Jedi to me to, uh, to be concerned with a relationship. Yeah. But you know what? A a woman can focus on her career and love, but I I agree. Well, I think with, I'm not actually, (laughs) I know. know. It sounds like I was about to argue that point. I'm just giving you crap. (laughs) I'm trying to make Listen. you sound like an imperial, Listen. imperial sympathist woman hater. <laughs> I think she, could, I think she could play the field, <laughs> but I don't think she's going to commit to a team. I'm, yeah. That's what I'm, that's where I'm trying to go. Yeah, she, she, she's like Arya Stark, totally yeah, she, cool with what happened in the end, and I love that she was like, "Hey, I'm not looking for a relationship." That was totally. just fun. I was like, I love that. Another interesting thing. Speaking of romantic uh, speculation, I will say. In Aftermath, Wedge tells Ray Sloan, who's kind of the big bad of that book, because Wedge gets captured, and they're talking about it, and he's kind of giving his life story, and he says, he once served on a freighter, and the Empire hurt people close to me. 
family, friends, a girl I loved once. So at this point in the episode of Rebels, Wedge doesn't seem to have that much animosity toward the Empire. He just seems to think he's in over his head and want to get out. So people are speculating that the loss that he's talking about, the girl he loved once and the people close to him that the Empire hurt happened sometime after this episode and the freighter he served on was the ghost. So people are speculating Mm -hmm. that the girl he loved once was Sabine. I mean, sure. I've never (laughs) thought of it, but sure. Yep. Also, speaking of romantic entanglements in Aftermath, Wedge totally bones Snap Wexley's mom. All right. (laughs) There it is. Yep. So Snap Snap Wexley, the pilot from Force Awakens, who is played by Greg Gumberg. (laughs) I did not know that. Yep. Wedge until he's his new daddy. <laughs> I, I never read, uh, I never, I, I read Aftermath, but I read it so quickly that I don't remember anything. Yep. And so some of the things that he has influenced in the EU though, uh, these were kind of some cool Easter eggs. So um, in the comics, he was part of the mission to establish Crate as a base of yeah. operations for the rebellion. Yeah. That was, that was a great series that just wrapped. Yep. So that was cool. Um, he's also responsible for bringing Thane Kyrell who was one of the titular characters of Lost Stars into the mm. Rebellion. Um, and then they named a maneuver in the New Republic Flight School, the Antilles Intercept. There's a flight maneuver taught as a basic training tactic to pilots of the Resistance around 30 years after the Battle of Endor. Okay. Sure. Yep. Why not? Um, and his last name is never mentioned in any of the films, but no. appears in the script for a new hope. Wow. So Who the knew? character's origins Who can knew? be traced to early drafts of star Wars, which depicted a young pilot named Chewie. Originally wedge was going to be named Chewie and that character evolved. And we used the name for our lovable walking R2D2. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, you probably know this too. This is kind of notorious Star Wars lore, but Wedge is played by two actors in A yeah. New Hope. Love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. I know. Was, like, George Lucas yeah. was like, yeah, it's fine. No one will notice. <laughs> and now I, we're doing I didn't, podcasts I didn't about it. until I, I was know. older. I mean, it was not a thing until I became like a, you know, deep, uh, got deeper into Star Wars. Yeah. So during the Rebel briefing, he was played by actor Colin Higgins but was replaced with Dennis Lawson in the scenes uh, during the battle of Yavin. Both actors though, were overdubbed by David Ankrum for the film. Mm. So it's not his real voice. Um, I guess Higgins didn't rehearse any of his lines and was getting nervous and stressed out. Higgins. And so they just fired him. I feel like his last name is perfect for disappointment. Higgins. (laughs) freaking Higgins yeah it's like how many lines did Wedge have that you needed to remember nah, I, I I could I could memorize them right now like yeah totally come on buddy yeah Higgins yep. and so characters have um started to dub Higgins as fake Wedge which I think is funny mm. um but in certain point of view they try to retcon no, yeah. fake Wedge by naming him a different character named Cole Tackbright. I know. I refuse that piece of canon. That Fake was Wedge so, for life. Well, it's a certain point of view. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there was a Rogue One Easter egg I didn't know about, but David Ankrum, the guy yeah. who did the voice of Wedge, 
um, he's the guy who announces on the loudspeaker for all the flight personnel to go to Scarif. And all flight personnel, please report to your commanders immediately. We have been redirected to Scarif. We briefed by squadron leaders on route. May the force be with you. So they got him back for that movie. So we actually hear Wedge on the overcom in Rogue One. Oh, wow. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah. And this episode, speaking of Rogue One too, this episode sure. was written by Gary Witta, who wrote Rogue One. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that's why Sabine gives the cover name Rietalia when she's infiltrating the base. That was a name left over from the original script of Rogue One that he always liked. So he's like, yeah, let's just use it for this. Huh. So yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I like that. Yep. And then the last um, Dennis Lawson fact is he's Ewan McGregor's uncle. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay, that's crazy. You didn't know that? No. Yeah, isn't that funny? Like, that's I'd, crazy. How sick would it be to be at like Easter dinner and it's like Ewan McGregor and Dennis Lawson are just at the table and you're just like, so Star Wars. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, <clears throat> did you know I had some facts, Pete? Yeah. That had the writers been able to go through the original idea for this story, that the defecting pilot would have been Biggs Darklighter. Mm, and the episode would have established that Sabine painted the like the, the like that uh whatever that pattern is on yeah. his helmet. Mm-hmm. That that would have been what she had painted on his helmet for a new hope. Yeah. I, I love mean, that. Biggs, when you look at A New Hope, he has like a checkerboard pattern yeah. on his helmet. And Super it Sabine. looks like the Sabine has the same pattern on her pauldron yeah. in season one. So that's kind of the theory, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah, that episode was originally called Dark Lighter. Um, but I think the there were complications when they went back and looked at A New Hope and they're like, we kind of actually established a backstory of him going and kind of how he gets out and things like that. So they're like, uh, okay, fine. We can't do it. Yeah. Um, and so we, uh, they went with wedge, but again, that was another, so another speculation thing is that checkerboard pattern is causing people to think that Sabine and Biggs had a relationship. I know. Too. Shut up. I love how like the internet like, just like, like, she's the only person who can be into ska. Come on. Yeah, totally. Or like, so she painted a helmet. They must have done it. Yeah, I know. It's like uh, Boy, it's so every silly. time she paints something, she has to have a relationship with it. Um, yeah, I paint things for coworkers all the time. Yeah, and they don't. <laughs> and they don't. Yeah. Um. Some. So in the training simulation, this was a cool touch. Um. We talked about the ghost a little bit. We can dive back into that. But also, did you notice that the Y-Wings were Clone Wars yeah, era Y-Wings? I did. So I didn't find any canonical stuff on this, but I think it's... Did it was, you notice? <gasps> Sorry. <No. laughs> Actually, I had something, but... No, no I, was just, I, like, I, I just like the idea that they're like, all right, we got these old Y-Wings from this old war. Let's just use them to blow them up for training. I think that's great. Yeah, I think it's a really cool I mean, touch. It makes total sense. Yeah. Also, uh, you talked about the counter toys. Yep. Never mind. Yeah, um, I have that. I didn't talk about it yet, but um, that was cool. When we do the, well, actually, let's before we jump into that part because that's kind of the end of the episode. Because I, I, I kind of like their plan. It's like one of the few M- Empire plans that work. Um, but before we jump into that, I want to talk about the other people who are kind of around this episode. More specifically, Hobby. He's kind of an interesting character. 
Um, Rake, I don't care about. He can, he's whatever. But Hobby's name is Derek Kilvan, which Sabine never learns. I like that touch where she's just like, uh, I don't know your name. Um, but he's the guy in Empire Strikes Back who's like, two fighters against a Star Destroyer? Yeah. Um, when they're about to take off from Hoth. So that's who this dude is. We've seen him in the movies too. He also flies as Luke's wingman, but he dies on Hoth when he crashes yeah, into a walker. Gets stabbed on. Yep. And so the um, legend's backstory ha- has him escaping the Imperial Academy. Um, and that's kind of his background. He had a big, like a bunch of stories in the EU and um, they decided to kind of use that as the inspiration for this episode. Um, mm. which I thought was interesting. But then mm. that brings me to Callus and Price and their little plan. So they, I actually thought this plan was a good one. Um, the Empire doesn't usually make great plans. No, it's great. Yeah, and I was like, it was very tense because I knew something was up and I was like, all right, how are you going to get them? And as you kind of alluded to, so the pilots are defecting, they're escaping, they're supposed to be picked up by Ezra and they're flying away on TIE fighters, but Thrawn and the Imperials kind of saw that this was coming. So they booby trapped the TIE fighters and had the wings pop off. Yeah. So they're just like balls of space. And yeah, like you mentioned, that was a reference to the original Kenner toys where you could press a button. Yeah. Cause that's how battle works. Yep. I support that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts about this. I was just kind of impressed that they had a good plan for once. It, no, it was it was it was a near <laughs> victory, which is rare. I mean, yeah. had the cruiser not stuck around, all three would definitely be dead or captured. So mm-hmm. it was close. It was yeah. one of the closer, uh, one of the better plans. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting to me that I think I mean these three, as mentioned, are kind of elite pilots. So maybe you would go out of your way for this. Um, but it seems like a lot of effort for three defections. I know they're low on pilots, and I guess well, maybe they're so desperate that it's just like... Not, again, again, well, two points to that. Yeah. I think, first of all, they're carrying a lot of Empire mm-hmm. intel, tactics, training, all that. But second of all, you want to make, if this is you, you want to make an example of these guys. This is what happens to defectors. Mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity to keep people in line and you need to, you know, loose lips, sink ships. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But I mean, the rest of the episode is just kind of standard. They get through it with grit and tenacity and the friends that they made along the way. Yeah. There's not a ton of depth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's fun. I like it. I I like it. It's, but it's, yeah. There it is. Yeah, the only other note I had was we get mentioned that the Mandalorian government is working with the Empire to identify talented and special children to enter them into service. Yeah. So we'll be learning a little bit more about the Mandalorian's relationship with the Empire later on, but this is kind of cool uh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So how we end every episode is by rating it on a scale of our current least favorite thing to our current 
most favorite thing in Star Wars. So, Peter, do you want to give us an example of that scale and where you'd put this? Yeah, my favorite thing in Star Wars currently is Rey pulling the lightsaber out of the snow away from Kylo Ren. My least favorite thing is anything C-3PO has done at any time other than the original trilogy. Mm. Between those two things, this episode is many Bothans died to bring us this information, which is kind of just an iconic, it's an iconic line. Like Wedge is an iconic pilot. um, And it kind of piques your interest, but doesn't answer a lot (laughs) because I want to know about more about Bothans, but we haven't gotten much of that. So for me, that's like a B. Okay. Yeah. Um, Great. I think that's, how about you? Pretty much how I'm feeling. So on a scale of the final battle between Maul and Obi-Wan, Twin mm-hmm. Sun, season three of Star Wars Rebels, my all-time favorite Star Wars moment, and the entirety of the 1997 re-releases, just in general, <laughs> I'm thinking about them. I will give this episode a Han Solo steps into the Millennium Falcon and says of her home and Force Awakens, mm. which to me is a B. It's... Wow. I know. Some people love that. Yeah, I, I love that. I feel fine about it. I don't not like it. I'm giving it a B, mm-hmm. which means, um, so don't at me. <laughs> but um, it's just like, you know, oh, I know that character. Yeah, it was like just one of those moments. Hey, I remember that character. He's back. Cool. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was for me. That's what it was seeing Wedge. Hey, I know that character. He's back. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. um, Fair enough. Yeah. You can find us. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Skype. <laughs> Not Skype. The New York Stock Stock Exchange. AOL, Instant Messenger, <laughs> Live Journal, mm-hmm. Live Journal 2.0. <laughs> um, all of them at Rebels Rebels Pod. Um, yeah. Yep. You you be the judge which of those we are actually on, but you yeah. can find us at rebelsrebelspod at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, I hope you are enjoying us releasing these episodes and our D&D episodes. Yeah. So check those out. Check out our D&D stuff. Yeah, they're super fun. And we are excited to keep going on this season. Yes. And remember, until next time, to be brave out there. Don't look bad. Don't look bad. Bye. Bye.